Hi everyone and welcome back to a brand new episode of Black Tech Unplugged. I'm your host Dina McKay and I'm back with a wonderful brand new episode. I just came back from Afrotech which was in San Francisco. It's a event hosted by Blavity and let me tell you it was wonderful see that many black people in a room that are all involved and enthusiastic about tech was amazing. I definitely highly recommend that if you have a chance in the future to go to the event that you look into getting a ticket for 2018. Now on this episode you will actually meet some women who threw a brunch the Sunday after Afrotech. This group is called Black Tech Women and Black Tech Women is the premier community for black women and the technology ecosystem to connect, learn, and develop. With over 1,400 members since launch, Black Tech Women continue to engage and develop members with national events, job opportunities, and monthly articles on tech. And with that, let's get started. Hi, everyone, and welcome to a brand new episode of Black Tech Unplugged. I have three wonderful women on the podcast today. They are part of Black Tech Women. Hi, ladies. Hi. Hi, how are you? I'm doing well. So let's get started and let's start with everyone kind of doing a description of their roles with Black Tech Women. Yep. So hi, everyone. This is Andrea. I'm the founder and CEO. And so really what my role is just to keep the other eBoard members to feel empowered to to take action and, and really feel like they can drive their roles. And then, of course, knowing that we work with a very small team, um, there might be a few, you know, emails that I send out, assisting with programming, marketing, and just all-around support that's needed. And then, Holland, what is your role? Yeah, so I am head of finance with BTW, so that includes um, creating the monetization strategy, sourcing and securing sponsorships, and working really close with um, partnerships, um, who is Drea, who could not join us today, um, to build um, relationships that can turn into future strategic partners. And last but not least, Eden, what is your role? Sure. So my role is head of operations, and I kind of manage the day-to-day operations of the organization and oversee the city leads program. So currently we're based, um, the the executive board is based in both uh, the Bay and New York City, but we do have members uh, nationally. So we are um, ramping up our city leads program where we have black tech representation um, in different tech cities across the U.S. So thank you, ladies, for joining the podcast today. My first question for you all is, how did Black Tech Women get started? I'll um, go ahead and kick it off. So um, this is Andrea. Uh, So I worked in the tech industry for a few years before going to business school and then returned um, after graduation. So this time around, I wanted to make sure that I was really involved um, in the broader community. I was attending tech events, um, going to different sessions also reading a lot of articles and just noticed that there was a huge gap, right? So most of the events I, I attended, I would be the only black person or only black woman there. Um, a lot of the articles that were published in the tech space weren't from a black woman's perspective. And then even in the, the you know, women in tech movement, I didn't feel like I was represented there either. Um, and so I had thought about it probably, you know, for for about a week or so, and then I said, you know what, first I just want to really create this community and then, you know, really bring us together that we can talk, share, but then also start sharing our perspective within the broader tech community. So one of the things that was great is, you know, started Black Tech Women across all the social platforms as well as Gmail, got the website, 
And then I had went to school with Eden, who had recently joined Samsung, and I thought she would be a great addition to the team, being that I was living in the San Francisco Bay Area and she was in New York. So, yeah, that's how we, we got started. And, and the passion behind it is really focused on making sure we have a space in the tech industry and that we're able to really grow and continue to make impact in the space. That's awesome. And I want to just also highlight, so when you started Black Tech Women, did you start it as a Facebook group or a website or was there a platform that you really focused on? Yeah. So um, right from the beginning, it was focused on community. And so the Facebook group was the big push. So, you know, super easy to, you know, to create, I would say the MVP for the organization. So using Facebook group as a way to bring us all together. And I would say the first couple of months, it really grew organically, right? So I added black women that I knew in the industry, then they added their friends, and then it kept, you know, just kind of growing and growing and growing. And then what I would say is that once we, we kind of hit a tipping point, probably around a thousand members, and that's when we had people reaching out to us on LinkedIn, on our website. Um, on Instagram saying, how do I become a member? How do I join? Because I think it hits past the point of where it was, you know, maybe two to three degrees of separation to truly women outside of our own communities that we didn't know, that we weren't already connected to, who really wanted to be involved. And actually, for the listeners out there who are Black Tech women and want to join, how can you currently join? Sure. So you can join by going to facebook.com slash group slash Black Tech Women and request membership there. It is a closed community. Um, and then, of course, we're, we're across all platforms, so Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn. Um, you can search for us at Black Tech Women. Great. And because it is a closed group, are there any, any criteria that a person has to meet to join the group? The only restriction that we have is that you are a black woman who is in the tech ecosystem. So one thing we wanted to make sure that we did is that we were truly inclusive because we know that the industry is also powered by bankers who are focused on tech, members in consulting who, you know, consult for tech companies, as well as, you know, the traditional engineers, developers, and marketers in the space. That is the only requirement. When you when you do become a member, we do ask that you know do you that you are a contributing members, so you're sharing different events and articles, asking questions, and really being a participant. Great to know. Personally, I am a member of the Black Tech Women Facebook group, and it's an amazing group to be a part of. I've shared events there, Thank and you. I've met women, of course, and I've met other women and such as yourself that I have been able to connect with and communicate with, and then also share different resources with. So I highly recommend it. Thank you. So what I want the listeners to get a understanding of is what value do you bring to the group? And I know that you're doing different events and classes. So let's explain a little bit of what are the things that you guys provide for people in the Black Tech Women group. It's Eden. I'll go ahead and take uh, this question. So I think that we provide value to our members in three different ways. I would say like access, community, and learning. So, you know, one of the ways that we, we provide access is, you know, as you mentioned, by the sharing of news, conferences, tech events in the different uh, cities where our members are based. And for a lot of these events, we either do, if we have partnerships or we'll host, you know, like a networking event or something like that to, so that we can encourage uh, Black tech women to get together and mingle and get to know each other. 
And uh, occasionally for some of the conferences and events, we'll have um, free passes that we can offer to our members so they can go to these events, you know, free of a, at free cost. And we call this our Black Tech Women Insider Program. And as an insider, you know, you get to go to these events and then all we ask in return is that you kind of take over our Instagram feed for the day and post some stories so that the broader community can also have access to that event. And then if there's, you know, a lot of content, then we also would ask for a voice article, which we share on our uh, Medium blog. And then in terms of learning, so we also do want to have people, you know, we have people that are new to the industry, we have people that have been in the industry for a very long time, we have people that want to switch, but within, within the industry. So we do want to provide like learning opportunities for our members as well. And one way we do that is we partner with organizations. So our recent partnership with Google helped us bring the digital coaches program and teach, you know, entrepreneurs in the tech ecosystem how to use uh, Google ads to really market their business appropriately and use Google Analytics to, uh, to track how they're doing. Lastly, I think it's really about the community aspect of Black Tech Women. That was the biggest thing. So we provide networking opportunities to all of our members and have hosted a few uh, networking happy hours, but as well as just, you know, people in our closed Facebook group will ask for advice on, you know, how to get into the industry or, you know, I'm dealing with this at work, what should I do? So it's really uh, just been really great in terms of what we've been able to give to our members. That's excellent. And one thing I want to touch on is you guys do get the free passes for events, and you do allow other people to experience the event and do write-ups for you. If someone's interested in doing that, what's the best way for them to be considered for that opportunity? Yeah, so um, currently when these events come up, we do just create like a Black Tech Insider application and we'll post it in our closed Facebook group. So I would say step one is join the Facebook group. Step two is be on the lookout for uh, when those posts occur. But alternatively, if there is a specific event that you really want to go to and think that Black Tech Women should have a presence at, we also encourage you to either, you know, post, it, post about it um, in the Facebook group or you can email us at blacktechwomen at gmail.com, and we can try to follow up and see if we can get, make something happen. Perfect. I hope some of my listeners will apply and cover some events for you guys soon. Yeah, that would be so great. We're always looking for Black Tech Women insiders because, you know, as great as all these events are, we can only be at so many places. So there's, there's a lot of opportunity. And then also, let's actually talk about some of the events you've covered. What are some of the events you've covered, let's say, in the last couple of months? Sure, yeah. So uh, one of our members has uh, an organization called Be Nimble um, in, in Indianapolis and created the Disrupt Indie Conference for the tech industry. So we had one of our members, Antoinette, cover Disrupt Indie. She got to go be a Black Tech Women Insider and covered it, you know, from the networking event all the way through all the content. And she did an amazing job. We were so impressed with her coverage on Instagram. She was doing like, you know, one-on-one interviews with the panelists, like during the breaks in the conference, just like being like really creative and making us feel like we were right there with her at the conference. And then she also did a voice post as well. And now happy to say that she's joined us as a Black Tech Women City Lead in Indianapolis. So I think like that's definitely okay. one great example of how, you know, you started off as, you know, just an insight as a Black Tech Women Insider, but you now you've kind of gotten promoted I, to a certain extent to a city lead. And then so, so I think like that's a definitely a really great example. Another one is tech inclusion. So Wayne Sutton from Change Catalyst reached out to us about partnering and being a media sponsor for the Tech Inclusion Conference in New York City and provided us with like five free passes. So that was very generous. And we were able to go both as an executive board, but still offer 
three of our members uh, complimentary passes as well. Uh, and that was really great because, you know, they're doing uh, these conferences nationwide. So now we're going to continue these partnerships uh, with a conference um, in Chicago. And, and I think somewhere in the West Coast is, is also where they're going to be. So that's kind of uh, what we've been doing thus far. Uh, and, you know, like, like you mentioned, we're always looking for more opportunities and more, and more events to partner with. Great. And one thing that, you know, we didn't touch on, and so we have to go back and touch on, so you guys have city leads. And what we didn't share Correct. is what cities are Black Tech women actually established in already, and what cities are you looking to grow a team in in the future? Sure. So as I mentioned, Indianapolis is a city where we're already established. Atlanta is also a city where we're already established. And I think for us, the next major cities are, although we're in New York City and San Francisco as executive uh, board members, we are still looking for women there to partner with us as city leads. Um, and at San Francisco, LA, then I would include Austin, Chicago, Detroit. So, I mean, I think it varies. I think for us, uh, I, I would say like those are the key cities that we're looking at right now. But if we find that there's, you know, a substantial number of Black tech women in a particular city that we haven't considered before, we're more than welcome to consider that as well. We just want to make sure that there is enough of, you know, Black women in the tech industry for you to have, you know, at least a small community there. And how can people who are interested in becoming city leads, I guess, express their interest or apply? Sure. So, yeah, we had put out an application um, to the, the Facebook group as well for the City Leads program. I think we'll be doing another call um, soon. But if you are interested and want to, um, you know, reach out to us, again, the best way would be to email us at blacktechwomen at gmail.com. And then um, I will follow up with anyone that's interested in terms of what the roles and responsibilities are in terms of, like, you know, what we think the number of Black Tech women in your city um, is, just to make sure that we are um, – you know, we have a sizable community there and can actually, you know, grow and scale the, the program. So you hear that first, people who are listening to the podcast, You, if you're a black tech woman and you're interested in being a city lead, you can apply if you apply to the Facebook group. So within the Facebook group, there's obviously a huge following of women and there's numerous women. Is there any cities, like what's your top five cities for the women that are already currently in the group I'm assuming it's probably New York City. I know Chicago has quite a presence there, maybe San Francisco so far, but let's talk about what do your numbers look like when it comes to women and where they live in the tech industry? Yeah, I mean, that's definitely right from a general uh, standpoint. Uh, New York City, San Francisco, L.A., uh, Chicago, Atlanta are kind of our big cities. In terms of numbers, so right now we're a little over 1,200 members, which is great. Um, and what we did is once we, we felt like we reached a critical mass, we actually sent out a membership form to capture information in terms of uh, location, role, company, um, what you're looking to get out of the organization, and then even capturing quotes on the experience that people have had so far. Um, so in terms of where people are located, Eden nailed it. We, New York um, and San Francisco are by far um, the two largest following with LA, Atlanta, Chicago, and DC. And then as we think of, you know, what's the background of our members, about 55 to 60% of them have technical backgrounds. So they're engineers, they're UX designers, they're developers, you know, they have more of a traditional tech background. And then the other 40 to 45% are marketers, entrepreneurs, writers, um, analysts, uh, you know, 
do internal strategy. Uh, it's really across the board on the non-technical side. And so this is great for us because it's really going to set the precedent on the type of programming that we have in the future, right? So we start out focusing on entrepreneurship and helping our members you know, either learn about digital marketing or use digital marketing to grow their business. But now that we know a little bit more of their background, we can have more tailored programming. So if they want to learn about um, how to have a career in product management or if they want to learn about, um, you know, how to to transition from, from one role to the next, we know kind of what our members have and we can also leverage the expertise of our members to help with some of this programming. Excellent. And I love that you have started that survey and taking data because I'm sure, as we all know, data is so important. Having the numbers and being able to say where someone, you know, being able to prove your point with numbers is so important these days. So I'm glad that you guys are using a survey to collect information from the women that are in the Black Tech Women group. I want to circle back to something that Andreas mentioned earlier. And obviously, we're all on this podcast, we're all black women that are in tech. And Andrea, you mentioned that when you were going to events, you were one of the only black women in the room when you went to tech events. And I just want to know from your perspective, how did that make you feel? Did you ever feel like you were put in an awkward position or that you wish there were other people around that looked like you and could relate? Could you kind of speak to that a little bit? Sure, yes. I, I feel like plenty of times I felt awkward, but in thinking of one experience specifically, I went to a VC like barbecue that was hosted at someone's house and um not only was I the only black woman, but I was like one of three or four women there overall. Um and most of the men there were, you know, older white men. And I and I feel like at this point, um at that point when I got there you know, I'm used to being one of a few. Um, I actually went on my way to be friendly and to meet people. And it was, and it, I'll be honest, the response I got was very dry um, because they did not expect me to be there. And so most of the people there weren't receptive, didn't want to have a conversation with me, um, you know, cut it off pretty soon. Um, you know, if they didn't think that they could get value from the conversation, they just weren't trying to talk to me. And, and that was probably the most overt experience I had, I would say, um, in terms of other events, you know, you, you might feel out of place, but people will still be, you know, pretty, pretty friendly and open, you know, to speaking with you or kind of learning about your background. But that particular event was just very, um, just very unwelcoming, to be honest. And so I think what, and, you know, kind of telling that story, I think members of our community specifically you already feel networking itself is already uncomfortable. And then if you're the only one there, you there's that adds a, another level of, uh, of you know, awkwardness. And then feeling like, you know, you don't belong. And, and so a lot of things stack up. Um, and so what I would say is what's nice is when, for example, we do have um, the Black Tech Women Insider Program is that we typically get, you know, at least two, you know, two passes for our members to attend, and we connect them beforehand so that they are able to kind of look out for each other when they get there, and they at least know one other person. Um, because, it, you know, it can be hard being the only one. And then I would also add, too, is, you know, what will start to happen is the more events that we start going to, the more um, it will be less awkward and, and less of, should I be here, should I not be here, because we will be there, and we should be there, right? And so. Um, 
yeah, so I think that's, you know, that's kind of part of why we put the community together is that we know we can call on each other for support, to be, you know, with there with other members and kind of push ourselves out there. Right. And I know as a fellow black woman, I've been in situations where I've definitely been the only one in the room or the only one at a conference. And this question is open to all of you. Do you have any kind of tips or advice that you would give to a black woman or just a black individual who is put in these situations, just how to combat that awkwardness, how to feel more confident being in that situation? Yeah, so I think for me, uh, this is Eden speaking, being a part of like Black Tech Women has actually helped because now when I go and introduce myself at conferences and events, I can have a platform to leverage and say like, hi, I'm Eden, you know, I'm part of this organization, this is what we do. So it's really more about like the organization and then people get really interested in how they can partner or learning more and then talking. And, and while I'm doing that, they start to ask questions about what I do and where I work um, and what I'm looking for. And I, and I do the same of them. Um, so I think, you know, while you may not be a part of, of Black Tech Women, you should definitely join. But if, you know, not, then I would say try to find something that you can, like, talk about that isn't necessarily um, about yourself, but is really close to you. So I think that having something um, that you can use to kind of just get in there and do an intro is nice. Because when you're speaking on behalf of something else, it feels like you feel a little bit more confident about it. Yeah. Um, and this is Paul, and I just wanted to jump in really quick. Um, I think, you know, being comfortable with being uncomfortable is also really important. So the more that you're around these environments and, and the more that you put yourself out there and are really excited and proud of the work that you're doing, I think just just kind of brings down the pressure a little bit because, um, you know, you get to talk to a lot of these people. And at the end of the day, they, they're very much like you and um, they're, they're still figuring things out themselves. And so um, I would say, you know, definitely always try to find something in common to discuss, um, whether that's tech or otherwise, but also just put yourself in those, com- in, in those situations um, and environments so you can try to get more comfortable in the future. Yeah, and just one, one more tip. One thing that I think is, it's pretty good is if you're going to a specific conference where there's, you know, different talks or panels um, to just, you know, say what you're most interested in seeing, like, oh, I'm really interested in the talk about these, you know, VR, and then ask the other person what they're looking forward to because a lot of people go to different events with the purpose of what they, you know, want to learn about, and that's an easy way to get the conversation started. Those are all great tips, and I definitely agree, and I think a uh, way from my personal experiences a way of feeling I guess what you would say you're basically feeling safe in an environment is going to an event maybe taking one other person with you so you kind of have that safe space if you don't know anyone and you go to an event you know you have your friend with you so you kind of feel more confident going into an event and then also just being open not everyone is going to like what you say and not everyone's going to want to connect but as long as you try you should be happy with yourself. Speaking of networking and going to events, as we close out the year, it's the season to invest in yourself. Do you have leftover training dollars you need to spend? Or maybe you're looking to pivot into the tech industry. Well, I've got an event to tell you about. Queen's Brunch, which is in Chicago, is partnering with TechNexus and Click Studios to bring The Glow Up, which is an event series focused on skills building and career conversations specific to women. Workshops include a Scrum Master certification course, user experience workshops, digital branding, and it all ends with a brunch experience focused on negotiation skills. Bringing the best instructors, great food, and an experience you definitely don't want to miss. 
Check out the details of the event at queensbrunch.com slash theglowup. And you can use the code BLACKTECHUNPLUG for a special promo. All allies are welcome. And also, if you're worried about the cost, try to get one of the Queen's Brunch scholarships, which you can also find out about at queensbrunch.com slash scholarship. Hope to see you there. That kind of leads me into a question, and I think I know the answer already, but I'm going to ask it just to give the audience a perspective of kind of what Black Tech women and what we experience as Black women. So obviously being the only one is part of being a Black individual in tech, but do you think that the tech industry has an issue with diversity? And I want you to also elaborate, and if you think there is a lack of diversity, I want you to say why, and let's just kind of have a conversation about that. So let's start with Holland. Yeah, I mean, you know, regardless of my opinion, I think the the numbers are out there and the numbers are quite uh, clear. You know, there's there's a lack of, or there's very little diversity, right? Um, across the board in tech, there's there's low diversity in big tech, um, in startups, there is low diversity in venture capital, um, you know, and the numbers usually linger to a one-digit percentage for Black people, and they're even um, less for Black women. And so, um, I mean, you know, the facts are out there, the numbers are very low, and I think, you know, that's why it's so important for Black women, especially to have communities like Black tech women, because then there's a lot more support to be able to, you know, hack into the tech community or um, thrive and build and develop one another, um, so we can at least um, get get those numbers looking a lot better in the future. Yeah, I can speak on that a little bit as well. Uh, this is Eden. So, um, you know, currently um, I work at Samsung, and I would say in just my organization alone, I definitely feel like the numbers are lacking in terms of diversity. It was very hard for me to kind of find people that looked like me in the workplace, and even harder when I started looking up the chain. So for me personally, like, I think that's part of the reason why I joined Black Tech Women is I wanted to make sure that uh, when someone else was joining after me, that they definitely saw more people that looked like us in higher places of um, power at these organizations. So I do think that it matters. You know, when you see, when you walk into a room and you're the only one, it, it is, it is um, kind of, you know, overbearing. And, like, going to a, you know, we already talked about how just going to a conference alone makes you feel uncomfortable, but it gets even worse when you're at a place of work where, you know, there's, the stakes are just so much higher. Um, so I would say, yeah, there's definitely a lack, and I think this organization is one way that we're trying to help fix that lack by encouraging and supporting each other, by uh, providing access to all of these different events and, and, and things to our members so they can see that there is a place for them in tech and that all they, and, you know, and there are people that look like them that may not work in their current organization, but they can definitely, you know, get advice from them and figure out how they were able to do it so that hopefully we can all bring each other up and see and just continue to kind of build out that pipeline. Yeah, and um, just to, to add an additional point, I think there's most of the focus from the industry has been on kind of recruiting and getting more people in, but less on retention and less on growth. And so I think that will be the the next area of focus is, you know, what about the people who are already here? How do we retain them? Um, how do we get them to advance in the organization? Because as Eden said, you know, it's, it's a, a lot easier when you, when you can look up within the organization and see yourself there, right? And so that just adds to the, you know, to the confidence that you might have or to the commitment that you might have to the, the organization or the company you're working at if you feel like you can advance there and can see yourself there over the long haul. Right. And that point, Andrea, that you mentioned retention is definitely 
something I feel like will be the focus in the future. And I can't wait to mm-hmm. see what steps they put in place. Portion of these jobs, you know, where you're mid-level and you're working, but you're not advancing. So it's kind of like, what do you do? And I feel like that's a big area that needs focus yeah. right now. So it's exciting to see what's going to happen for that in the future. And I also love that you guys said that obviously the numbers don't lie. Obviously, we've seen the numbers <laughs> of diversity at different companies. We know what's going on. And it's just crazy, I guess, to see that the numbers are so low, even after this discussion has been going on for a long time. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I think, you know, I truly believe that the tech industry is the most innovative, right? Like, we set the trend. We, you know, create the technology that ends up impacting whole other industries, moving the economy, et cetera. So we should be able to figure out what is going on in terms from a diversity aspect. Um, so I'm, you know, I'm overall I'm positive in, in, in thinking that, you know, there will be change and that um, it will get better. But I think it's just, you know, I think there just has to be the same level of effort that we put into creating new technology and new experiences we should put into um, the, the inclusion and diversity. Exactly. And all of this kind of leads me to my next question, which is, so what steps do you think that we need to take as individuals who work in tech as well as the tech companies to make diversity and inclusion, like, for instance, let's make these numbers increase and have more diversity and inclusion in numbers and make everyone feel welcome. So what steps do you think we need to take to have a more positive experience? Yeah, so um, I can pick off that question. This is Andrea. Um, I think one thing that probably most um, tech companies have right now is they have employee resource groups, which I think, you know, are great for members of various communities to kind of have a mini community within the company. One thing I think is lacking is the sense of executive sponsorship and executive support for those mini communities, right? So it's not enough just to say, hey, yes, you guys can come together, but what level of budget are they getting, you know, to to develop themselves, to have programming, to have events? What types of conversations are they being brought into? So I think it would be a huge miss if you have a team that's focused on inclusion and diversity that's not closely aligned with the employee resource groups, right? Um, and, and, and I'll be honest, I think sometimes they're not, they don't work together and they're not closely aligned. Um, so I think that's something that can can happen internally with a company. I think for us, you know, if we are outside of of the industry or if we're in the industry uh, but feeling like we're not able to to make a change, I think we should take a chance. So if there's a position or an opportunity that you're really interested in and you think you might not be qualified for or you might not be the best candidate for, it doesn't matter. Go for it. I think there was an article that I read where men see a role in a spare um, you know, only, you know, 60%, they meet 60% of the criteria, they go ahead and apply, but women have to meet 100%. I think that is definitely the case in terms of people of color when they look at opportunities as well. We feel like we have to probably check off 110% of the, you know, the, the boxes before we apply to something. And so I think, you know, we should also feel confident and empowered to take risks as well. Andrea, I love that you mentioned the ERG groups because, so correct me if I'm wrong, you think it'd be helpful if there was buy-in from upper management in these groups to kind of supply not even just financial resources, but just to have that buy-in and support. 
Yeah, I, I think that it's so important because um, these the success of these groups don't happen in a silo, right? Like they they can't exist. They can exist on their own, but in terms of being able to make an impact in the broader organization, um, the executive leadership at a company has to have some visibility into the work that they're doing, um, so that they can you know help in making decisions. So if there's um, you know, if there's a particular group that could be a good resource in terms of finding talented, um, you know, women of color, black women, black men, et cetera, the executive leadership might not be aware of them, but have they, you know, have they tapped into the employee resource group, they, they could be the go-to resource for those recommendations. Right, and I know I'm at, in some groups at my job, there's upper management buy-in, and there's a lot that goes on and a lot of support, so I know exactly what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And then one other question I want to ask about what you mentioned is the good old example of applying for a job, especially being a woman, you want to make sure you check off every responsibility and example that's used in the role description but how can we build up our confidence when we're applying and saying, okay, you might not be able to check off everything, but you know you would be a good fit for the role. What are some examples mm-hmm. or some advice or tips that you could say for building that confidence and knowing that you should apply even you might not get an interview, but you still should apply and put yourself out there? Yeah, I think, you know, one thing that I do is I have, you know, a few people in the industry that I kind of, you know, look up to who I think are just, you know, great black women who've had great careers. And so that's kind of a constant reminder for me that, you know, they may have started out at this company having some particular role. Maybe they were promoted, maybe they weren't. And then they switched, you know, to a new company and a higher level role. You know, it's good to just kind of see those people. Um, and then what I would say is, you know, you always hear it for the tech industry that the referral system is the number one way to um, to get in. And one of the things that I notice on um, LinkedIn, I, I'm constantly being reached out to by people across, you know, all colors, all backgrounds, even people who don't know me, right? They they just have this sense of, okay, she's maybe a third degree connection. Um, I want to get referred. And they're explicit in terms of their background, why they want to be referred, and then what role they want to be referred to. So seeing, like, and and they're doing this to you know to me who I don't sometimes I don't know who they are or how we're connected and so it's just a reminder um, I think to myself and then also people I talk to is do not be afraid because other communities feel very empowered to reach out even if they're not as qualified so you should feel just as empowered um, go to someone that you know at that company or a friend of a friend who you know at that company and ask for a referral. 90% of the time, people will say yes because there's some type of referral bonus um, that they could get. Should you um, should you be you know should you be offered and and start working there? So the incentive is on both sides, right? So you get the support with your application and get it looked at, and they often get a referral bonus. So kind of keep that in mind as well. If you need a little bit of you know a little bit of push to ask for um, for support. Yes, and those are amazing tips that you just shared. And I also want to open up the question for Holland and Eden. Yeah, sure. Uh, This is Eden. Um, I would say that the other thing is just awareness. So I think that a lot of, um, you know, companies and groups, like they they are semi-aware, but they always will think like, oh, but it's not reflective in my group or it's not reflective of this or it's not reflective of that. Like um, at my old firm, you know, and I did did this more on like gender diversity. I made it very clear like, you know, when – Someone left the team. Like we were on a team of ten. There were seven men and three women. 
um, and a man left. And I was like, we have to hire a woman. And luckily we did. And I was just like very blunt about it. And sometimes that's what you have to do um, in order because there is no awareness. Like they're not really thinking like, okay, you know, I have to, you know, like hit this like diversity box. And if there's two equally, you know, great candidates, they might just go with, with one or the other. Like obviously if, you know, there was only like a, a male had done the best and that was the only option, then I would understand like why we'd, why we'd go that route. But if there were, you know, equally talented candidates, then I think that it's definitely kind of in our best interest to bring it up. And I think that um, along with that, as we further um, climb the ladder in terms of our workplace, like we should also be looking out for our own, right? So, you know, I met someone that is a woman of color that's a recruiter at, at a certain firm. And she's like, you know, I am constantly pushing, you know, diverse candidates into the pipeline because I know that you know, the, my peers may not necessarily, not necessarily be doing that. And I think that it's my, like, the onus is on me in order to provide, the, to provide those opportunities. Um, and it's like, you know, and if, even if you're not at that level, just providing, like, awareness or providing, like, guidance, like, within the company, right? Like, when new people come and join the firm and, and you see them, like, reach out to them and say, hey, like, this person is who you need to be connected to in order to move up. Or, hey, this is what you need to know about the company culture and in terms of, like, how to fit in. Or, um, you know, just, like, making sure that, you do have other, you know, people of color's, like, best interests in mind and just being, like, very aware of that. Like, you know, when I first joined my company, like, we actually don't have, like, an existing ERG, um, unfortunately. So there was no, like, easy way for me to get to know, like, all of the black people on my job. But nonetheless, I now somehow know all the black people at my job because I made it a point to say hi to everyone. I made it a point to, like, go out to a bunch of different people. And now I have access in ways that I didn't before, whether it's, you know, I, I need to fit, figure out, like, what knowledge I need on a different team um, or it's, like, where it could be something, like, a little bit, you know, less less kind of career-inspired if I just want to, you know, get my hands on the newest technology that Samsung has to offer. You know, can I get that tablet? Because, you know, I know someone on the tablet team now. So it really just is, um, I would say, like, A, like having the, you know, try to build enough courage to bring the awareness up to upper management and just make it, like, a very clear point. And then, B, just, like, trying to do your best in the whatever, in whatever capacity you have at your current role to help other people that look like you um, along. And I love that you say that because I remember I was on a panel with someone and it reminds me of the quote, lift as you climb. So it's like when you're going up the ladder, make sure you lift up the other people that are around you as well. So I'm glad that you mm -hmm. brought that up. And in regards to awareness, I'm the story that you mentioned about someone hiring someone and, you know, putting in a good word for a person of color. I think that, for instance, when it's in the hiring process, there's just sometimes an unconscious bias and sometimes people hire the people that are relative to them or, you know, look like them or they feel like they have a rapport with them based on previous things. So I like that you said use your voice in any way possible because, like you said, you might be able to sway that person who is doing the interviewing or hiring and put in a good word. Just one last no. point, try to help them prepare for the interview, right? Like something as small as that could just really help them, you know, really build their confidence. So if you're, you know, like when I am going to, if I'm going to refer you to a role on my team, I'm going to tell you the ins and outs. I'm going to tell you like mm -hmm. how I did well in my interview, how you should do well. So just even doing that can just really help as well. Yeah, yeah. And, and to add addition, one additional point too is um, if you are able to be in the hiring committee meeting, is you know kind of holding people accountable. So if they say, "Oh, I don't, I don't know if she's a good fit, or if he's a good fit," really pressing to say, "Well, why?" Getting to the why because sometimes it is that bias coming through. 
Um, and so if you are in the room, you know, you're there for a reason. So, so being able to kind of press people, because it could be, they, a lot of times people don't even realize their, um, that bias is kind of seeping into their decision-making and some of the comments that they make. So if you hold people accountable at that stage in the hiring process as well, I think that's also, you know, your responsibility and something that we all should be actively doing should we have that level of access in hiring decisions. Another awesome tip. And Holland, did you want to contribute how steps we can take for diversity and inclusion? Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, I, I think uh, Eden and Andrea covered a lot of it, um, and I would definitely echo everything they said. Um, one thing that I really want to emphasize is the importance of relationships, especially in tech. Um, so, I mean, whether you're a junior person or a senior person, um, whether it's, it's a mentorship or just a referral, whatever it may be, I think it's really important to seek out um, relationships and to also sustain them, um, you know, whether that's checking in, having coffee every two, three months, and just finding somebody who you can look up to or somebody who you can help. But really, like, the, the importance of, of tech and, and relationships is something that I've seen more so than other industries. And so, you know, if you're somebody that's looking to, to get into the ecosystem or somebody who's looking to, you know, stay in the ecosystem or thrive beyond your current role, you know, seeking out various relationships and making sure that um, you're keeping in touch with everybody that you come across with um, because you never know who's going to know who. It's definitely something that should always stay top of mind. Right. And one thing that I noticed that you all kind of mentioned at one point or another is the aspect of mentorship. So what's mentorship mean to each of you? And we can start with Eden. Sure. Um, so mentorship to me means that you – so I'll, I guess I should talk about this from both perspectives because I am a mentor as I am a mentee. Um, so from a mentee's perspective, what I look for in a mentor is someone that I can trust, someone that I think will have good judgment and someone that kind of knows the ins, the ins and outs of either the industry that I'm in, the company that I'm in, and has kind of, and someone that I look up to, someone that I want to be kind of long term. So, you know, just having someone that can really be a sounding board for my decisions. And I always try to have at least one mentor um, in each kind of phase of my life. So when, you know, I was an intern, I had a, you know, I had a mentor at my job there. Uh, when I was um, an undergrad, like I had a mentor that was a professor. When I was in business school, similarly had a professor that I would consider a mentor. And now that I'm back in the workplace, I have a mentor um, at my current job that I, you know, will go to with advice and, and questions. And just like really just anything, just like to bounce ideas off of him. In terms, and I think that your ment a good mentor will kind of see your value, see what you bring, really be like loyal and trustworthy, and come to you with opportunities that you can like leverage. So whether it's if they see um, an open position on another team that they that they think would be a, a better fit for you or will help you kind of build your career, like bringing those recommendations to you or just checking in with you and you know, just being really proactive. I never like my mentor mentor mentee relationships to feel like they're forced or really awkward or like, you know, I feel like I'm always just like bothering them or, or taking up their time. So you definitely do want to find someone where like they really are invested in you. And then hopefully you can figure out how you can also uh, give something in return for that relationship. And then I think like as a mentor, I try to instill those same things to um, who I would consider my mentee. So I really try to provide, you know, honest, candid feedback. I really try to, you know, if I know that someone is interested in, you know, for example, like I feel like I'm a mentee to a lot of people that want to go to business school right now because I had gone, I had just recently gone through that experience. 
So if I know that you're interested in business school, like I'll reach out, you know, see how you're doing. I say, hey, you know, I know round one applications just happened. Where do you apply? What was your rationale behind applying to those schools? Like what, what's your round two plan? Um, you know, and, and like why, and like do you need anyone to uh, read your essays? Or like or if you want to go to the school, I know someone that goes there. I can connect you to them. So just like really trying to go above and beyond and making them feel like they have more access and more resources um, to feel really comfortable um, either applying for like business school or applying for a role or, or whatever it may be. So I think like that's what, what is the most important thing. And I will just put in a quick plug for um, mentorship. So Black Tech Women is looking into providing a mentorship program. Um, we know that that's something that is extremely important. As Holland mentioned, like relationships are key in the tech industry and mentors can really drive a lot of value. Another thing that mentors can do is like, you know, as they move up their career ladder, hopefully if you bring enough value to them, they can take you with you and that's how you can get to higher places a lot more easily. Um, so yeah, so stay tuned for the Black Tech Women Mentorship Program coming out sometime in 2018. This is Andrea um, thinking about the, the mentorship piece. Because there's so few of us I would say in higher level positions within the industry, a lot of my mentors don't look like me. Um, and I think that's something that's really important is that, you know, your mentor doesn't have to look like you. And oftentimes in order to gain access to, you know, to different opportunities and things like that, they're going to, the opportunities will come from people outside of, you know, people who look like you. So I would say for me, um, that has been helpful. And in terms of thinking of being a mentor to others. That's something that I started doing in college as a, you know, a sophomore in college, mentoring the freshmen that came in and then have, you know, continued to do that throughout my career. And um, recently even, you know, started mentoring a current HBS student who's considering full-time opportunities in the tech industry. So helping her think about, you know, what are the opportunities she, what, what are the companies that she's looking at? what type of environment does she want to work in, what types of roles does she want. Um, she has a few offers right now. And one of the things that uh, really touched me is at the end of the call, she just said, I want to thank you for just being very upfront and honest because many of the people that I talk to are trying to recruit me to their company or to their team without giving me a true, you know, 360 perspective of what it would be like to work there. And I said, of course, like my role isn't, you know, to recruit you. My role is to be a resource for you and, you know, provide my honest perspective and then connect you with anyone else who might be a good resource. So, you know, mentorship is truly, truly invaluable. And I recommend if you don't have a mentor, definitely find one. And then as Eden said, we are working on having one for Black Tech Women. Yeah, this is Holland. And one thing that really stuck out to me that Eden said is, you know, a mentor is somebody that should be invested in you. Um, and I think, you know, for me personally, whenever I think about mentorship, whether that's um, having a mentor or being a mentor, the most important thing that I look for is that the person cares about my career or cares about what I care about, right? So, you know, in, in most of the relationships that I've had with my mentors, whether that be in school, whether that be, you know, in the workplace, it's always been somebody that I can trust and somebody that I can have a very honest dialogue about, you know, my careers or whatever it may be, um, and somebody who's looking to to get me to the next level. And so, you know, finding somebody who's really invested in you is, is the most important thing. And, and, you know, being invested in other people's success is also something that's extremely rewarding. And so, uh, I don't know, mentorship is, is very important. And so, 
I would encourage anybody who hasn't, you know, sought out a mentor to, to definitely make that a priority to think about their career in the tech industry or elsewhere. That's great, ladies. And I love that you guys are all seem to be not only having great mentors, but also giving mentorship to others. And I want to ask is because you guys all seem to have great mentors, is how did you get your mentors? Um, so I can go first. So the, the one of the mentors that I have right now, I actually met him because he was trying to create an opportunity with the company that I worked at. So he's, you know, a tech industry veteran, and um, he's trying to create access for people of color. And so he reached out to me to, you know, start the conversation with the company that I worked at. Um, so I helped him get that, you know, company locked down. And then we just started touching base probably once a quarter. And, it, you know, it's, I think that's one thing, too, that we probably didn't talk about is that the relationship should be mutually beneficial. So if someone is mentoring you and providing you with access and assistance, if they need something or if they need support, you should be doing it for them as well, right? It should be mutually beneficial because then they're more incentivized to continue to t- to help you along in your career and in the future. Um, and so that's how I got mine. He, you know, he actually reached out for help with something, and then um, we end up continuing along with uh, the relationship. Eden and Holland, how did you guys find mentors? Um, you know, I think most of our mentors have been through introduction, but I will say that one of my more recent mentors was through a cold email. Uh, so I'm, I'm a big fan of cold email. Uh-huh. And if you're somebody who's um, looking to, to transition into various areas of tech or just want to get to know a lot of different people, I would, I would highly suggest um, cold email. You can definitely find out a lot of how to structure and think about sending to various people on Medium or online. But, um, yeah, I found mine through a cold email. And, you know, I think for me, is we, we had a lot of um, common interests. Um, and also, you know, we met for coffee, and it was just a, a, a natural um, – it was just a natural kind of mentorship. Uh, you know, the way that I was thinking about things weren't necessarily the way that he would think about things, but uh, he was also very supportive of, of where I wanted to get next, and he was definitely – um, invested in, in, in my future. And so um, for me, it's, it's, it's really important that I also give back to a relationship like that, like, um, you know, Andrea mentioned. Um, and so, you know, that looks like a lot of different ways. Some people just are happy to have a mentee and some people you can actually help if you're in the same industry or you're in the same um, organization. So that's also a lot to think about. Um, yeah. So I got my uh, mentor Kind of similar to how Andrea got hers, I was working on a project at work, and um, I had sent out a request to uh, someone, and they were, um, they wanted to meet in person to just get more clarity on their request, so we met in person, and, you know, I just introduced myself, like, hi, like, I'm new to this team, this is what I'm doing, this is what I'm looking for, and, you know, they're like, oh, it's just, like, really great to meet you, and they were like, you know, um, like, I think we just kind of had, like, a really great first conversation um, and first meeting, and then, we kind of had run into each other in a few different other meetings, and, you know, he would just always say hi and just always say, you know. And then one day he was just like, you know, why don't you just set up time on my calendar? I just really want to hear about, you know, how you're doing and what you've been up to and how you're liking it so far. Um, and so I just, you know, took the leap of faith and did. You know, sometimes when people say that, you tend to say, like, oh, maybe they're just saying that to be nice or maybe I shouldn't because I don't want to waste their time. But I was like, you know, it's, he's been consistent, and he and he asked, so let me just at least do that courtesy. And we had a really great 30-minute call, and then we've been able to continue and build and thrive in that mentorship program. 
uh, or, or the mentor relationship, I should say. It wasn't structured through a program. Um, and then what was interesting is, you know, he actually has like a college age daughter and she'll be going to my alma mater. So it was like a really natural way for me to give back. I was like, you know, if she has any questions, like more than happy to discuss and, and, and like chat and help her out. So um, I thought that that was also just like a really great kind of great moment. Great. And you ladies provided a lot of great tips regarding mentors and how you met them. And so I'm sure the listeners are taking notes. And you've also done a great job describing what Black Tech Women is and giving different tips. But I want to shift gears a little bit, and I want the listeners to learn more about you guys as individuals. So starting with Andrea, I want you guys to give a little background about yourself, and that includes where you're currently working, what position you're in, and how you got involved in tech. Sure. Um, So, yes, this is Andrea. Um, I'm from Ohio. Um, I'm currently in a growth role, so I say I sit at the intersection of product and marketing. So not only do I um, think about ways to create a great customer experience in terms of uh, shopping, messaging, um, buying, um, and you know, solution buying, being able to purchase solutions, but also um, think about in terms of how do we increase awareness and acquisition for our different offerings. Um, and I work at a big tech company. So, you know, I got started in tech working um, in a sales role. So I was, you know, a Googler who worked with small and medium businesses every day, focused on AdWords and Google Analytics. Um, I then transitioned into marketing, um, focused on that same similar small and medium business segment, but in an acquisition type of role. Went to business school, intern in product management, and then my role now really lets me merge um, both the product and marketing skill sets. Andrea, did you have any technical background before you got started in tech, or was it kind of something you fell into? No. So um, I studied marketing and national business at the University of Cincinnati, and um, I was working at the Nielsen Company doing marketing research. And I, you know, was like, oh, this probably isn't the best role for me. You know, I had gained a lot, like, great analytical skills and and data and, you know, kind of forecasting and all of that. But I really wanted to be more um, hands-on. And so I applied online to (laughs) this job at Google, which I don't recommend. You should definitely get referred. Um, But I applied online, went through the interview process, and got the job. But I, you know, definitely don't have a technical background. And that's kind of how me and Andrea met. We're actually both from Ohio. (laughs) So I don't remember how we exactly met, but I know that's kind of how we connected at first. So next, next, Eden, how, what position do you currently hold and do you have any technical background? Sure. So I currently uh, work at Samsung. I'm in their uh, business strategy group supporting uh, the consumer business division so that's any any product from televisions to vacuums, um, and I support the senior leadership team at, um, at Samsung currently. Um, I don't have a technical background either, so I came in from a business uh, perspective before. Um, you know, as I briefly mentioned earlier, like I got my MBA last year, and um, I was in consulting prior to to business school. So I've always kind of stayed in like the on the business side of things, but was just really interested in technology and new products. Um, so that's kind of how I um, got my gig at Samsung. Um, and then a little bit um, more personal information about me: I'm originally from Virginia, was um, you know born and raised there, and then 
uh, went, um, and then this is actually like my first year of living in New York City, and it's been really great thus far. Um, so yeah, like starting in tech was also uh, me uh, starting my big uh, move to the Big Apple. So I've been enjoying it thus far. Awesome. I know New York has so many tech events on any given day, so I'm sure you're really enjoying that. <laughs> yeah, I have started to say no to some of them because it just got to be too much. Um, but yeah, it is really great because there are so many opportunities. Awesome. And last but never least, Holland, what current position do you hold and do you have any technical background? Yeah, um, so I am based out in New York with Enan, um, which is great. Love all the tech events out here. And if you ever want to go to one, um, please hit me up. I'm always down for that. Um, so my background is in consulting. So I did consulting for the past two years, um, working mainly with financial services firms on the managerial and operational side. Um, prior to that, I worked in big tech, sitting in the nexus of sales and engineering um, for um, Google's um, ad ads product, um, and I also have um, background in banking as well. Um, in terms of technical background, I've been um, a graphic designer for almost 10 years now, and I previously did um, a little bit of web development, which is something that I'm getting back into. So um, I guess, you know, maybe a little bit of front end is, is where I, I sit. Uh, not a big fan of, of back end, but um, yeah, that's that's me. Awesome. And I, you're probably wondering, why did I ask you, do you have a technical background? And the reason is, I like to note that a lot of people always think that if you work in tech, that you have to be a programmer or coder. And I'm just trying to mm -hmm. let people know that there are other jobs besides being a programmer or building apps that people do in tech and make sure that they realize that we as black individuals are also out there doing these positions. Mm hmm yeah, I think that's so. I think that's so important too, because I think that's part of the awareness piece is that you, you don't, uh, you know, these tech companies are companies, right? So they they also have sales, finance, HR, marketing, design. You know, they have all of these um, these functions just like any other company would have. And so I think that it is important to make sure to highlight that these roles are available in the tech community for people who are not technical. So really, really important. Yes. And so before we end our conversation, let's let the listeners know where they can find Black Tech Women and your personal accounts for social media and how they can connect with you guys. Sure. So if you are interested in partnering with us, you can email us at blacktechwomen at gmail.com. And then we are across all social media platforms. So Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Medium, you can reach us at Black Tech Women. This is Andrea, and my social media account, same across uh, Instagram and Twitter, is A N N D R E A M O O R E. So, looking forward to connecting with you. Okay, uh, this is Eden. Uh, you can find me on Facebook and LinkedIn um, under my full name, Eden Zillow, E D E N Z E I L O. This is Holland. Um, you can. Um, find me on Twitter at K-A-N-A-K-H-E-Y, um, which links to my LinkedIn and website um, if you'd like to connect elsewhere. Thank you, ladies, for taking time today and having this awesome conversation. I hope you enjoyed Thank you for having us. Thank you. It was fun. Thanks, Tina.